0: Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. Oh, it is great to be here at Encounter Church in Sedalia, Missouri. Just got to make sure that I get those words right from the start. But it is great to be here. My name again, David Godz, my wife is here with me this morning. Kelly, our three kids aren't able to be here with us. Traveling gets a little bit harder as they get older. Uh, but they're up there on the screen for you this morning. Uh, from youngest to oldest, but from tallest to shortest, that's how it works in our family Jonathan there in the middle, he's our 17-year-old. He's our high schooler. And then we've got two Evangel students. Evangel's got a special place in the heart of some people here in Counter Church. Uh, Joseph, he's our freshman. And Rebecca, she's our junior. And uh, we have been serving since 2006. We'll go to the next slide. 2006 on the uh, Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico and uh, we have been serving in that area and I'll tell you we are excited to be here at Encounter Church we're excited to be able to share about Mexico what God is doing there but before we begin what I'd love to be able to do is just take the rest of this service to the Lord in prayer that he would meet with us in a special way I know there are needs represented in this place and I know that God has coordinated this event so that we're not simply talking about what he's doing in Mexico, but we are also speaking into your lives today. And so we want God to be able to do that. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we just thank you right now. Thank you for your touch upon our lives. We thank you for this opportunity that we've had to connect one with another, to encounter you in this place today. And so we just pray right now that you'd help us to put aside any distraction any situation that might be there in our mind that would keep us from hearing exactly what you would want to share with us this morning. And help us, Lord God, with our hearts to respond to you, and we thank you for what you're doing in this service among your people, and we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen amen but you know what before we go any further in the message this morning i want to introduce just one more family member to you and that is on the next slide that's our dog Kaishin. how many dog people do we have here this morning awesome we are among friends this, She's our 10 year old miniature schnauzer and she has traveled with us back and forth to mexico And you know, I just want to talk to her. Just talk, talk to you guys about her just for a few minutes. First of all, you need to understand she is brave. How many Schnauzer people? Maybe got one. All right. Well, you know they're brave, right? They will stand up to what any dog. It could be a dog three times, four times her size. She's only about ten pounds, but she will go after those dogs for us. But you know what? She's fun as well. She likes to play tug with her rope. She likes to play catch with her carrots. But you know what? There's one thing that is more important to her than any other thing in her lives. And no, it's not her owner's. We're going to see that up on the screen here. That's her bed. (laughs) Yeah, that's her bed. So she will sleep there sometimes up to 18 hours a day. She will eat there. Anything that falls from the table, she'll take it over to the bed and she will eat it there. In her bed, she will commit mischief in her bed. She likes to take tissues out of the trash can and she likes to take them over there, tear them up, especially when we're away. So you have to pray for us what we find when we get back to uh, Springfield, Missouri uh, this afternoon. You know what? Her bed is her world. Now, many of you might be saying that her world is a little bit limited. Comfortable, yes, but limited. But you know what? That's okay, right? She's a dog. She's a dog. How many of us, though, like I do from time to time, feel tempted to live that limited existence? You know, we turn on the news and we hear of disaster without, and we hear of division and fighting within. You know, we're tired of the wars. We're tired of the scandal. We're tired of the shouting. We just want to turn it all off, and we want to go home and find that happy place like Kaishin. But you know, that's not the life that God has called us to live. God is calling us to go beyond with Him. Beyond our routine existence. Beyond that shrinking sphere of influence. Beyond our limitations, whether they be real or imagined. God is calling us to go beyond. Now I know some of you might say, you know what, that's fine for you. You're missionaries. But you know what? I believe that's the life that God has called us all to live. Even from the beginning of this movement that we call Christianity, even before the church, even before the day of Pentecost, even before the cross, Jesus was inviting, He was leading His followers to go beyond. We're going to turn this morning to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew chapter 15. And we're going to find out what it was that Jesus was doing with his followers. Matthew 15, we're going to see that up on the slide as well. And it says this, Matthew 15 verse 1, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Now, I don't know about you, but this reads to me like a Sunday morning news show. except Instead of the Democrats and the Republicans, we're seeing the Pharisees now and the teachers of the law. They were attempting to draw Jesus and his followers inward. They were trying to get them involved in discussion and controversy. Their arguments were about their customs and their traditions, their rituals and their routines. They were hoping for a d- debate and they were arming themselves to prove their points on those secondary issues. Now we have to to ask ourselves the question, what's the danger? What happens to us when we're drawn inward? What happens to us when we look at these secondary issues and put our focus on them? We're going to see that up on the screen. First of all, we find that it leads to a limited understanding. See, Jesus rejected those leaders Question arguing that their customs were really man-made that's we can see that in verse 9 But you know what? this rocked the disciples world this for those disciples was the big time They felt that they had just made it to the major leagues and yet Jesus wasn't taking his turn at bat It was as though they were invited to Carnegie Hall and Jesus wouldn't even step out from behind the curtain So they whisper to him in verse 12. We're seeing that up on the screen. Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? He chides them later on in verse 16. He says, Don't you understand yet? It's as if he was saying, Don't you get it? You've been following me for this long and you still don't see what I'm trying to show you. They were dealing with a limited understanding. But you know, this focusing on secondary issues doesn't just lead us to a limited understanding, it also leads us to a near-sighted vision. In verse 14, Jesus tells His followers to make a clean break with those Pharisees and those teachers of the religious law. These had been focusing for so long on these secondary issues that they had lost the ability to see the big picture. They couldn't see the forest for the trees. They had a nearsighted vision. They were blinded to what the real issues were. So we see that it leads to a limited understanding, a nearsighted vision, but it also results in a hypocritical faith. This is that final stage of focusing on those secondary issues. Jesus called those religious leaders of His day hypocrites, and He quoted the prophet Isaiah. We're seeing that on the screen. These people honor Me with their lips, but their hearts are far from Me. Theirs was a teaching of do as I say, not as I do. It was a religion of form without substance, preaching without practice, teaching without without transformation. Friends, let's not stay there. Let's not stand our ground only to see Jesus walk on by. Let's hear and respond to his invitation to go beyond. But we have to ask ourselves the question, what do we find when we follow Jesus beyond? We find First of all, that He provokes amazing faith in the most unlikely individuals. We're continuing on in Matthew 15, now in verse 21, seeing that again up on the screen. It says this, Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A gentlewoman who lived there came to Him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely." But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She is bothering us with all her begging. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshipped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great, your request is granted, and her daughter was instantly healed. Jesus, like any good teacher, took his students on a field trip. They crossed the border into a foreign region but not just any foreign region they were crossing into Tyre and Sidon these are areas known for their opposition to the Jews and the God that they worship it was in fact from Sidon that Jezebel had come she was none other than the wife of the most wicked king of all of Israel she was the one who had incited him to set up Baal a false god as the object of that state religion that they'd set up there in Israel. Not only that, but as they arrived, instead of blending in, instead of passing there under the radar, they found themselves being pestered by a woman. And not just any woman, but the mother of a demon-possessed girl. They were sure not only to be looking for a quick exit and a place to wash their hands, like those Pharisees and teachers of the law, But I'm sure they were looking for a a bath and a change of clothes as well by that time. But then, Jesus talks to this woman. And to their surprise, she showed more insight, more understanding, and more faith than anyone in the entire house of Israel. That's because God has a tendency to provoke amazing faith in the most unlikely individuals. This woman, in her desperate situation, realized what all the rest who had been with Jesus, who had lived with Jesus, couldn't comprehend. She said, Jesus, I don't need all of your power. I just need what everyone else won't notice. Just give me the crumbs because I know that's enough to deliver my daughter. Stunning words in the mouth of a most improbable speaker. You know, they had said the same of Jose Luis. You can see his picture up on the screen this morning. He's a teacher and businessman from Mani, Yucatan. Having been schooled and later teaching Marxist theories for 31 years, he had rejected God as a simple invention used for manipulation and exploitation. He was a declared atheist and he was proud of what he had considered his enlightened worldview. If there was ever an unlikely candidate for Christianity, Jose Luis would have been a front runner. But you know, a string of bad choices led Jose Luis to infidelity, which threatened to destroy his marriage. It was then desperate to save his family that he literally opened the door to the gospel a series of visits by the pastor and several members of the local Assemblies of God Church opened Jose Luis's eyes to the message of the Bible, and their times of prayer softened his heart to be able to consider the reality of God's existence. It was in a dream, however, in which the Lord stood before him and said to him simply, I am, that finally convinced Jose Luis to believe. Later, he was baptized, and having reconciled with his wife, Gloria, he became a member of the church. Now, Jose Luis serves, as we look at the next slide, alongside his wife as they are planting a brand new church there in Mani. We've had the privilege of walking alongside Jose and Gloria and providing them training and resources to help them plant this church in that city, in a place from which the evangelical church had been noticeably absent. There he's utilizing the resources that he's received to not only welcome those who are trusting in God for the very first time, but also welcoming back those who had previously lost their way in the faith. Friends, that's not the type of faith you'd expect from a former atheist. But we found as we go beyond with Jesus that He provokes amazing faith in the most unlikely individuals. But you know, God doesn't just provoke amazing faith in unlikely individuals. He also brings healing in the midst of brokenness. Let's turn now, continuing on in Matthew 15. We're looking at verse 29. It says this, Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee and climbed a hill and sat down. A vast crowd brought him people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak and many others. They laid them before Jesus and he healed them all. The crowd was amazed. Those who hadn't been been able to speak were talking. The crippled were made well. The lame were walking and the blind could see again and they praised the God of Israel. So now, having healed this Canaanite woman's daughter, having delivered her, Jesus now proceeds back to Galilee. Its full name was Galilee of the Gentiles, of the non-Jews, of the foreigners. So he's still moving in lands outside that traditional Jewish influence. And it's in this land of foreigners, in this deserted place, that Jesus does the unexpected. The sick are brought to him and He heals them all. The mute were made able to speak, the disabled He restored, the blind were made to see. You can't help but think of His response to John the Baptist's question back in Matthew chapter 11 as to whether or not He was the Messiah. We're seeing that on the screen. It says this, Go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. In essence, what Jesus was doing here in chapter 15 was a continuation of his messianic ministry. He was ushering in the kingdom of God even in this foreign place. I remember now, 15 years ago, struggling with Jesus' call to go beyond. You're going to see a picture of my family right about that time. You see, I had received a calling as a youth, but that path to ministry hadn't been as straight as I had imagined it would be. It seemed as though every door I had tried was locked shut. After 13 years in Springfield, Missouri, graduated then from Bible school in seminary, it was no closer to my goal, it seemed, than that moment that I had stepped foot for the first time on the campus of Central Bible College. In fact, I was then approaching the ripe old age of 30. How many of you remember 30? And I began to wonder if I would ever fulfill that calling. Besides, at that point, I had a full-time job. I had a wife. I had three children. I had a mortgage. Missions just didn't seem to fit into the lifestyle. But it was only when a friend, Butch Fry, then area director to Mexico, he asked me, Dave, when are you going to stop fooling around and get to the mission field? That I understood my problem. You see, I had let the routine of everyday living take my focus from my God-given purpose. Instead of stepping out with Jesus, I was turning inward. Instead of reaching out to others, I was trying to fulfill my own needs. It was only when I surrendered my life Again, and I said, yes, Lord, to his plan, reaffirming his call to go beyond that those doors opened for me to be able to serve him and not only for myself and my family to be able to serve him as missionaries to Mexico. And it's been there in that place, Mexico, described by its own president as a place so far from God, yet so close to the United States that we have seen the kingdom of God Breaking in. As we go to the next slide, you can see this term chosen as leaders of the district evangelism department. We were able to see, continuing on, to the 130 trained in evangelism and church planting concepts. That slide that you're looking at right now is just one small group of those on 130. But not only that, what we have seen is that 30 new churches have been planted all across the Yucatan by those efforts affecting the lives of hundreds of individuals. But not only that, what we've seen among those individuals are children, as we look to the screen, that are being given a chance to smile again. We're also seeing, as we continue on, teens being rescued from life-controlling addictions. And finally, as we continue to the next slide, adults being given a new start. Friends, that's righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. Because going beyond, we find that God brings healing in the midst of brokenness. But going beyond, we found that not only God provokes amazing faith in the most unlikely individuals, He doesn't only bring healing in the midst of brokenness. We find that God works works through us, not according to our ability, but according to our obedience. We're continuing on now in Matthew, Matthew 15, looking at verses 32 through 38. It says this, Then Jesus called His disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with Me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they will faint along the way. The disciples replied, Where would we get enough food here in the wilderness for such a huge crowd? Jesus asked, How much bread do you have? They replied, Seven loaves and a few small fish. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then He took the seven loaves and the fish, thanked God for them and broke them into pieces. He gave them to the disciples who distributed the food to the crowd. They all ate as much as they wanted. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were 4,000 men who were fed that day, in addition to all the women and the children. So the healing's over. Jesus calls his disciples together. He says this, I feel sorry for these people. The English Standard Version reads this way. It says, I have compassion for on the crowd and I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. Miriam Webster defines compassion as a sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. He was in essence expressing his will to see his disciples intervene in this situation to meet this need. But of course they responded like many of us do. Where would we get enough food here in the wilderness for such a huge crowd? They said simply, we're not able, Jesus. But you know, he wasn't asking them if they were able. He was asking them if they were willing. Because God works through us, not according to our ability, but according to our obedience. And it was in the middle of carrying out his plan in the middle of responding to his desire, in the middle of accomplishing his will, that those resources that they had, those seven loaves and those few small fish were multiplied, satisfying not only the needs of the 4,000 men and the women and the children that were there in that day, but also the needs of the disciples, and not just for that meal, but for several afterwards, as seven large baskets of food were collected after that distribution. Friends, this miracle is the object lesson that proves the point. Seek first the kingdom of God. That is to do the will of God, and its righteousness, that which exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, that which seeks to get involved in the moments, And all these things, what are these things? Our needs. They'll be added unto us. Friends, this is the Word of God, and it works not just in the first century, it works in the 21st century as well let me introduce you to just one other group of people that's lily and cadi you're seeing their pictures on the screen this morning you see they had their misgivings when they responded to the call to plant a church as they went forward to commit themselves to the training they thought well you know what we would just get prepared so we might be able to help another church planter already in process But, you know, as they reviewed their homework from the very first lesson, they found they were being asked to evangelize a community that had not yet been reached. It was in that moment then that they had asked themselves, would they be willing even though they didn't yet feel able? As they pray, they travel to a place called Blanca Flor. This is a place that is so remote that even traditional Catholic services happen there only sporadically. But you know what? There they met the people. There they heard about their needs and there they got involved. Applying the lessons they learned, they shared the hope of the gospel and the very few resources that they had. Now in that town of just 60 people, as we go to the next slide, we can see there are 30 people meeting regularly with them, finding out about the difference that Jesus can make in their lives. Why is that? It's because we find that as we go beyond with Jesus, He works through us, not according to our ability, but according to our obedience. Friends, we've been extremely blessed to have worked for these past, now 13 years, in the Yucatan. Among so many that we count as more than simply co-laborers, but also as friends, brothers and sisters in faith, in purpose, and in action. Still, as we strive to keep in step with the Spirit, we find ourselves hearing and responding to the Lord's call to go beyond. Beyond those familiar places, relationships, and experiences to embrace a larger vision. As of July 1st, 2019, we have accepted the appointment of the executive committee of the assemblies of god world missions to serve as mexico area directors you're going to see a picture of us together with our colleagues at an event called 20 uh, together 2019 that was a missionary event that happened in florida this aug- august now friends as we accept this position we don't pretend to be able to solve the problems of drugs immigration or corruption overnight, but as we collaborate with the Assemblies of God there in Mexico and the 25 missionaries, missionary units serving throughout the country, we believe that we can be a factor for change. Let's take a look at this video.
1: Mexico City is like, it's definitely my favorite place in the whole world. So because we don't have enough space and then we create this kind of beautiful chaos that, I don't know, in a way it's what makes it like really magical. really, really love my family. And this is like something that Mex- Mexicans do, you know, like we're really family oriented. Um, but whenever I, I married Raquel and I, when I had a David, uh, you know, just like everything changed. It's easier not to do it. It's easier not to get married and not to uh, have kids. It's definitely easier, but it's so much better <laughs> to actually do it. For me being a Christian and a true Christian means to actually be a changing factor around you. We start to ask questions. Uh, how do you see Jesus in that story? And then how do we see that in our lives? And then they start to apply it in each one of their lives. And that's whenever it starts to sink. And They're like, oh man is powerful. So the Bible is actually for me, you know, and then that's whenever we see the change or we start to see the change. I see so much potential in Mexico, in our culture, you know, our people. We're creative, we are passionate. Instead of us using the best uh, abilities that we have and the best knowledge that we have for ourselves and for our own gain the whole time, but actually to start to do it for, for everyone else around us, like I, I, I think that would be like a revolution. That would be like an amazing movement that I would love to be part of.
0: We too see the potential that Lalo sees, and as Mexico area directors, we pray and we work alongside him and others like him to see that potential fulfilled. Friends, we see a vision of Mexico redeemed as we look on the next uh, slide there. Mexico redeemed, although only one in ten Mexicans call Jesus Lord. We know it's not God's will that any Mexican should perish, but all should come and have everlasting life. Mexico Redeemed is a vision of unreached people groups reached. It's a vision of cities saved, as we go continuing along in the slides. It's a vision of rural zones healed, a vision of university students discipled, and a vision of children formed. Friends, we accept this role and we embrace this vision because as we follow God beyond, we know that He provokes amazing faith amongst the most unlikely individuals. He brings healing in the midst of brokenness, and He works through us, not according to our ability, but according to our obedience. But friends, this morning we have come to you, not only to give you our communication, but we have come as well to give you our invitation. You see, God's not only called Jose Luis, He's not only called Lili and Encari, He's not only called Lalo and the God's will family, He's calling each and every one of you as well. To leave behind a limited understanding and a nearsighted vision, to see the bigger picture, and to say no to hypocritical faith, to hear and respond to His call to go beyond. Friends, that may be as simple as introducing yourself to your next door neighbor, but it may mean following Him to the other side of the world. I'm going to invite you in a moment to pray and to ask the Holy Spirit how He would have you to respond this morning. Still, I would, re- I would submit to you Mexico as a place worthy of your consideration. Lauren Triplett, a former executive director of the Assemblies of God World Missions, once lamented, we keep flying over Mexico to reach the mission field. Unfortunately, friends, that seems to once again be the case. Where once we had 50 missionary units there laboring, we now have only half that number. Among the UPGs, the unreached people groups of Mexico, a population of 3 million people, we have only two missionary units working. Currently, in Mexico City, a city of 20 million people, we have only three missionary families We have only one missionary family with access to the 17.4 million rural poor, two missionary units working to disciple the 4 million university students, and four units working among the 11.4 million children of Mexico. Friends, we desperately need to return, and we need to bring more missionaries with us. But you may be asking, How can we, in Sedalia, Missouri, help you in Mexico? Well, the National Missions Department of Mexico provides us with some direction. They say, Las misiones se hacen por las rodillas de los que oren, las manos de los que dan, y los pies de los que se van. Now they speak Spanish in Mexico. Would you like the translation? That's up on the screen this morning. Missions is accomplished by the knees of those who pray, by the hands of... Of those who give and the feet of those who go I invite you then as you hear and respond to the Lord's call to go beyond that you would open your heart as well to Mexico pray for its people and those who are ministering to them give so that we and others like us might be able to return and consider going to involve yourself physically in Mexico's redemption.